Shocking news, an untrained actor has permanently broken the fourth wall. Hello, hominids. How you doing today? You look nice. This is WBEZ's It's All True podcast, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm Tim Barnes, and in each episode, I chat with a cool guest and then ask them to reveal a headline for a funny true story. This week, I talked to music producer Stefan Ponce. It's pronounced Stefan. Stefan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, my mistake. Stefan Ponce. He's worked with a wide array of artists, including Childish Gambino, Chance the Rapper, Vic Mensa, and more. And recently, he was nominated for the Best Rap Album Grammy because of his work on the Childish Gambino album, Because the Internet. We talk about his musical approach. I feel like if I did have to, I would describe my music very personal. And I even show how out of touch I am. Can you yeah. give me a history of hip-hop from 1990? Okay, one, I can't do that. I'm going to tell you why. Because <laughs> okay. if I get something wrong, Reddit will destroy me. All that, plus his headline for the most L.A. story you'll ever hear. But before all that, let's listen to some of his music. When I get down on my luck, I buy my eyes in Hollywood, the same what you know, but who you know, you need to know someone to know, no one. When I get down on my luck, I roll up and roll around, I buy my lonesome, lost some years, I used to know, I know my fate like bullets in a shotgun. When I get down on my luck, I buy my eyes in Hollywood, the same what you know, but who you know, you need to know someone to know, no one. When I get down on my luck, I roll up and roll around, I buy my lonesome, lost some years, I used to know, I know my fate like bullets in a shotgun. She loves to dream, living in and off and out of mind and space of time. She takes a lot of lies of life away. You might just say she stays to go nowhere. Midnight scenes from an old romantic movie. Usually you'll be there today. I say what's different. I can take you with me. Wondering if you want to go there. That was Down on My Luck by Vic Minza, produced by our guest Stefan Ponce. We live in a world where there are remixes of remixes of remixes of songs, and I feel like everyone has a cousin who makes beats. What does it take to stand out as a producer? And more importantly, who are the people that are listening? I was thinking to myself the other day, I think I make internet famous songs. <laughs> like, even like 2005 with like Down on My Luck. Like, I want to make songs that like, if Tumblr had like a a rating, I'd go double platinum on Tumblr, you know, something like that. <laughs> when I get asked to go into, like, you know, like to make a beat for somebody, you know, I try to be as most personal with them as possible. Like I like being in the room. So if say, for instance, you wanted to be and you're like, send me some beats. I'd be like, you know, I, I would actually prefer to make the music with you because at the end of the day it becomes the most personal. And I've been very fortunate enough to make the music with Donald or like a Vic Mensa where they're, they're kind of most popular songs. I've made directly with them, and I think those songs become a lot more personal with them, and they become like kind of their more favorite songs. No matter what you say, what you do. Who is that internet fan base that you mentioned? Who do you, what? What is the consensus that you feel about the people who dig your music? I think, um, like the other day, someone on Snapchat, which I deleted, he sent me a song message, and he was like, "You know, a lot of the music you made helped me stop um, committing suicide," and I was like, "Like, wow, that's that's great," and it's. It's bad at the same time because I don't. That pressure sucks. <laughs> you know, it's like. Wait, is that why you? Wait, I gotta be good all the time. Can I just be like mediocre, like on some days? But it's like, no, it's it's crazy how music really is really personal. But 
I don't know why I think that's crazy because uh, NERD song, you know, I love so much or even I wish I could name like an artist that like made me cry or something. But like, you know, the, <laughs> Celine the, Dion. That's ha- yeah, Celine Dion, like that that does happen where music resonates so much where you cry and it's it's crazy. Thank thank you for the internet. Internet. <laughs> Wait, is that why you deleted your Snapchat though? No, nah, because I would just get it. It'd be like, uh, hey man, what's uh, what's Childish Gambino doing right now? Hey, where's Chance the Rapper at? Where, where's Janae Aiko? I'm like, dude, what? I don't even know Janae. Like, why are you asking me that? So, I, like, I just I couldn't deal with it anymore. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a very out of touch person. I don't I don't know how this world works. I you don't. mentioned <laughs> you mentioned you have an engineer. What is so? Uh, as a music engineer, so. Uh, Chris Classic owns a, a really successful studio called Classic Studios. So if I were to make a beat and I were to send it to you, it would sound like poop because <laughs> levels would be everywhere. It would sound like a big piece of poop. Chris, I send it to him and I give him the files. So like you know, I give him the snare, I give him the kick or whatever it is, and he mixes it and makes it sound like a pretty poop. Okay. So, yeah. so I, I guess my question in a way is who, if I really like a song, who do I really say is the one who made it? That's an interesting question because I think if you're talking more of a mainstream, if you read the credits, it's like six bajillion people in the song. <laughs> I think Huffington posted an article on it, – it was a Rihanna song, but it was like six writers, like five producers. But, I mean, you know, my my son probably thinks Eminem is really all Eminem or something. But it's like, you know, Eminem has like two producers with him and and the engineer helps make the song. So I think all songs really are like – it is a collective team of an effort to make a song. So it's like, if you do a song, and I made you the beat, but I had one of my friends play keys on it, then I had one of my friends play bass, and I had my one friend do a trumpet solo and a saxophone solo, but then we got to send it to a mixer, and then the mixer got to send it to mastering, and you know, and yeah, then yeah. you got to send it to your publisher. It's like a whole team of things. It's crazy. Are you happy with that system? Are you? Are, do you think I it's think just... that's a system that works, and it's like, I can't really defy the system i can't defy satan you know <laughs> he's there the music industry is satan uh why uh so you enjoy the process of making the beat yeah, yeah of course uh how'd you how'd you discover that i really wish i knew what was like man i really wanted to make music i feel like i was just oh, like maybe in my past life i was like selena or something <laughs> i'm gonna just call it i was selena in my past life clearly <laughs> evidently my butt is humongous like selena but like i wish i had a better answer but I think music was just always something I wanted to do and something I always knew I wanted to do. I don't know. Like, people have those moments where it's like, I watched uh, Buddy Holly play saxophone with his shoe. And then, if that makes sense. And then, like, oh, my God, I'm going to play the shoe saxophone. I don't have that. I was like, mm, I always wanted to make music. I always wanted to make beats. Before I ever came up to to any type of really income, I would go to this place called Half Price Books. And they have a really good art book section. So I would just kind of go like grab like a three dollar Dolly book or like a four dollar Da Vinci book, and I would just make beats. Look, just looking at like I'll go through samples, just looking at these pages, and then I'm like, oh, I'll stare at that page, and really just make a beat out of it. I don't know why. I like no. My dad's uh like a pretty pretty well known graffiti artist, and I used to do graph with my dad. So like art's always been kind of in my family. And you like being the behind the scenes guy. Surprisingly, there are producers who are in front of the scenes, and I think like people kind of know me more for being me than they kind of know me for my music. Like, I'll, I DM this dude like yesterday, and I was like, "Dude, your art's dope," because I want to use it for artwork. He's like, "Your name rings a bell." I was like, "You know my name more than you know my music," and that's kind of interesting. 
because I think I had like people pay attention more to my Instagram than they do my Twitter, and it's like they want to see my face more than they kind of want to hear me talk. It's crazy. <laughs> That's probably how like all pop stars are. You know, you kind of want to see Iggy Azalea more than you want to listen to your music. Which I think Iggy's music is great, but you know, to a quote unquote normal person, they pay attention more to her beauty than her music. So when you hear a new song, what are the keys for you of being able to say I, I like this? One okay. So if I heard your song. Because, again, I'm a terrible person. I would hate it immediately, regardless of how amazing it was. I was like, oh, my God, this sucks. It's terrible. His drums are so good. And his raps, they're impeccable. But it sucks. But, <laughs> okay, so I like it more if I ask myself, how did they do that? Because, like, why can't I do that? Why does this sound so good? This, like, I, I was in a session with Beck. And then I realized I'll never be as talented as Beck. And I was like, this absolutely sucks. I'm just staring at Beck. And he, in his studio, he has, like, all these, like, crazy things that he had bought from nasa like during the war <laughs> this is not a joke he actually has this and i'm like i'll never be as creative this dude's making like six albums at once seriously <laughs> that's not even a joke he was making like eight albums at once he was making 13 albums at once it was 20 albums it was crazy he played drums then he played keys then he sang and then he started like doing he's like and then he he brought me a burrito then he asked me <laughs> like he's like dude you mind adding some like 808 or something and i was like cool yeah and then he, like, changed my 808. So I was like, this dude's the genius. What's an 808? 808 comes from the Roland uh, 808 drum machine. So it's like a, it's like kind of like the bass kick that you kind of okay. hear. Like, if you hear, like, more trappy sounding songs, like, if you hear, like, a young, like, a Chief Keep song. Okay. Um, Like, the, the drums in it are really 808 heavy. My brothers, rain blue, I call us. I call us, catch you with the rain. There's so many s- s- specific parts of the genre of hip hop that I don't kn- I don't know what's going on right now. Can you can you yeah. give me a history of hip hop from 1990? Okay, one I can't do that. I'm gonna tell you why. Because <laughs> okay. if I get something wrong, Reddit will destroy me. Reddit, if I'm like the first hip hop song was Cisco's Thong song, Reddit will destroy me. You don't understand how much pressure that is to give. It's like telling, all right, it's like the whole world dying and then you having to tell one person the, the history of life. And yeah. it's like, it started off with uh, Barack Obama selling hot dogs. It's like, you know, that pressure sucks. So I wish I could tell you. Okay. Is there a, a sort of Chicago-centric sound that you hear emerging right now? I think Chicago has the greatest underground hip-hop scene ever. And I, I know this even talking to like major record labels where they'll ask me about certain people. I'm like, how do you know that person? Like, it's crazy. Chicago has a really great eye on them right now, and I think it's really dope. And I think Chicago has a really good emerging sound where all our rappers are impeccable. They're they're amazing. Do I think we have a distinct sound? No, right. not yet. I think it's going to come to it, though. <laughs> it's going to come to it. Yeah. Uh, what do you, do you notice any similarity with the people that you find yourself working with often? Like the three rappers that obviously people know me were like Donald and Vic and Chance, and I think all of them have great personalities. Like they're stars. They're they people just gravitate to them. There's something about them. And I think that's really great that I, I've had the opportunity to work with those three, particularly with people I know me for working for. I think the similarity is one day also they're all like producers themselves and they're all like visionaries to why, what they see for the vision of the music. And it's super dope because there's a lot of times where I get a call from a rapper who some rambly has my number and, and they're like, you know, I need a beat like this. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then they, they kind of don't really know what they want for themselves. And that I think Donald Chance and Vic, they all have an idea of what they want and what they want to do and, and their vision for themselves. We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Stefan Ponce's funny true story. I was like, we're going to go see Dave Chappelle. I was like, oh, okay, really random, because the comedy store is called Street. <laughs> uh-huh. 
If you have a headline and want your voice to be heard in an episode, record it on your phone or laptop and email the file to itsalltruepodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet a headline using the hashtag AllTruePodcast, and I'll read it on an episode. More Stefan Ponce after the break. This week on Chewing the Fat, we're vegging in. I'm Louisa Chu. And I'm Monica Eng. We talked to New York Times Vegan Before Six Mark Bittman and vegetarian Flavor Bible author Karen Page. Plus, Chef Yatom Ottolenghi tells us why hummus should be served at the temperature of human blood. Hummus, where I grew up, is nothing like the hummus that comes out of a tub in a supermarket. It's far removed as it can be. Listen to new episodes of our food podcast each Thursday at wbez.org slash chewing the fat. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and in each episode, I ask a guest to reveal a headline for a funny, true story. This week's guest is music producer Stefan Ponce, and his story takes place in L.A. while working on the Because the Internet album with Donald Glover. Here's his headline. I guess the headline will be, It Sucks to be Ron Jeremy. <laughs> it's, okay, it's more of a, it'd be like a headline to my book, It Sucks to be Ron Jeremy. Why, why is that? Okay, so... Donald was, um, he was asked to do Rock the Bells. And he couldn't for some reason. I don't really know, you know, the schedule conflict. He was still working on it because of the internet. So there was a Rock the Bells party. So he still wanted to show, you know, respect to Rock the Bells. So we went and <laughs> we get to House of Blues and it's on Sunset. It's right by Soul House. And Bone Thugs is the, is the headline. And <laughs> we get there. And we're kind of just waiting to get all our passes so we can go upstairs and see see Crazy Bone just talking to a pizza. <laughs> Wait, what? Yes, I see Crazy Bone talking to a piece of pizza. Oh, uh, okay. So, you, you, how do you feel at that moment? You walk in. You're, I, are you questioning if this grabbed, is really happening? I grabbed uh, Donald's A and R fam, who's a good friend of mine, and I'm like, yeah, I think he's talking to a piece of pizza. And I, I think, in my recollection, I think fam was like, ah, whatever. And I'm just staring at him, talk, like yelling at a piece of pizza. Wait, wait, what's he saying? I don't know. It's kind of like I'm, I'm upstairs, and it's like, and he's like kind of downstairs where I can kind of see him from the front. I'm like, all right, this is really weird. So we get upstairs, and Bone Thugs they kill it. And I'm like, dude, this dude is. No one knows that this guy was just talking to a piece of pizza. And you know, someone grabs Donald, and you know, he's doing his round saying what's up to everybody. And I kind of I look from the side and I'm I'm see Donald and some dude like kind of pushing him. I was like, oh, sh-. I don't like, but it was like jokingly pushing, and this dude's like kind of buff, so it was close to the end anyway. So we walked out. Donald's like, we're gonna go see Dave Chappelle. I was like, oh, okay, really random because the comedy store is across the street. Uh-huh. So we go in there, and we all walked in. It was like a lot of us too, and we walked in and we were like kind of quiet. And Dave Chappelle's doing stand up. I'm one of those people that's so smart that I'm uncomfortable in this world. And at that point, I think Dave Chappelle was like maybe at a, I'm not like no judgment. I think he was at a low of his life because he wasn't really talking. So Dave Chappelle in his standup, he's kind of just like quiet. And, you know, you, you say, you see like Dave, so it's like someone screamed, what do you think about the, the, the Django? And uh, Chappelle said, slavery has never been so fun. And <laughs> that's how it was. Um, we're leaving and we all go eat down the street at this place called Mel's. <laughs> and I remember like, I didn't have like money. Like I was like super broke at that time. And... I like I'm reaching like just like uh, like in my pockets like randomly like for no reason and I look and <laughs> I see him on Jeremy there and he's like 
He looked like he'd been dead for so, three months. So you're going through this process of seeing all these like major people at a weird state in their life. Yes. That was... And that... I remember I went to sleep and I text my girlfriend, Shantae. I go, that was the most LA night I've ever had ever in my entire life. <laughs> Seeing Ron Jeremy there, like, he was like, uh, I was like, dude, you need help. Oh, my God. I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, my, that's a crazy, crazy, like, no one's had that day. No one. And that's the show. For more updates on Stefan, follow him on Twitter. His handle is Stefan Ponce. It's All True is a production of WBEZ Chicago and The Whiskey Journal. The show is produced by me, myself, I, Tim Barnes, Joe Dassault, Patrick Burns, and Tim Barnes, and uh, me. Yeah, I said it a bunch of times. We get it. Tim Barnes. Next week on It's All True, I talk to mind reader Mark Toland. For some reason, when, when mind reading feels so real, which it should if it's done correctly... Uh, people think uh, you uh, you have something more, like a gift there. I get asked that at least once after every show. When, when did you know you had this gift? For more updates on this show and other wonderful WBEZ podcasts like Pleasure Town, This American Life, Serial, visit wbez.org slash podcasts. If you dig the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It's a big help and it means so much. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451 and follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you. My birth certificate is S-T-E-P-H-E-N. So I'd be get Stephen, Stefan, and when I'm like 40 years old, I'm going to write a book on why <laughs> P-H makes a V sound for Stephen. <laughs> no sense. I try to like – we all can stand here on our phones and look up P-H make a V sound for, for a word. It's not going to come up. But yeah. for Stephen, for some reason, it's going to come up.